0: Friends, these last couple of weeks in worship, in our traditional worship, we've had just remarkable old hymns and anthems, and it's so great to hear our quartet being able to sing these and bring them to life in our worship life. We come to a time of listening for God's word to us, and this is the final in our summer series, Less Fear, More Faith. We'll conclude our series this week with our final uh, text from book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 13. I invite you to listen for God's word for you. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many... Are one body in Christ, and individually we're members of one another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us prophecy in proportion to faith, ministry in ministering, the teacher in teaching, the exhorter in exhortation, the giver in generosity, the leader in diligence, the compassionate in cheerfulness. Let love be genuine, hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. And extend hospitality to strangers. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Let us pray. Gracious God, we have come on this holiday weekend to hear a word from you. So speak to us now, as only a living God can. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. A young man living and working in Brooklyn, New York, made his way one Sunday to Marble Collegiate Church to hear a famous preacher. And as he sat in the balcony, he heard the preacher that day say, a man or a person can become strongest in his weakest place. Then the preacher repeated the line, a person can become strongest in their weakest place. That young man began to think about his own weak places, he was horribly self conscious, insecure. For years he had struggled with an inferiority complex. So it didn't take long for him to find the weakness in his own life. And the preacher went on You take two pieces of metal and you weld them together by subjecting them to intense heat. That causes these two parts of the metals to flow together so that their molecular consistency becomes one. And they're strongest at this point. If you want to break that piece of metal, you might subject it to heavy blows and it may break, but it will not break at the point where it was welded. In other words, the metal became the strongest at its weakest place. That young man began to realize for the first time that Christian faith overcomes the devastating effects of self-imposed limitations, especially our low opinions of ourselves. When we bring our weaknesses under the intense power of faith and let God subject us to the white heat of his love, remaking us so we become strong in the weakest places, we come through with a new strength and a new way of thinking. Life may throw some hard blows at us, but we'll not break at that point, for we are permanently welded to Christ and our molecular structure has changed. The young man was transformed by that idea and the work of God in his life later he became the pastor of that same Marble Collegiate Church, and eventually he was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom from President Reagan in 1983. His name was Norman Vincent Peale. The preacher he listened to that day was Robert E. Spear. Spear Library was the name of the library at Princeton Seminary on the campus for many decades. Norman Vincent Peale had to learn how to think differently about himself, about the nature of the pressures in his life, about what it means to belong to Christ, and about the nature of living in community. Now, in describing his changed perspective, Peale wrote, Whatever you think you are, everyone else will come to think you are too because you transmit it. It emanates from you. I found that the only way in the world I could overcome this inferiority feeling was to surrender my life to Jesus Christ and ask him to take what little talent I might have and use it as he wanted. I've never had any peace at all until finally I let myself go and I let Jesus Christ take over. Now that is precisely what Paul's talking about In Romans, we have to let go. We have to let Jesus Christ take over, directing the way we think and act, directing what we give ourselves to and for. Letting go and letting Christ take over mobilizes us, it galvanizes our sense of purpose in life. We become more fully alive and we can reach our potential. Norman Vincent Peale wrote in the book The Power of Positive Thinking in 1952. He reminded an entire generation that what we think about is what we tend to become in life. Change your thinking, and you can change your life. Well, the Apostle Paul put it slightly differently in this way do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God. Now, I have to say in all honesty that students on the Princeton Seminary campus in the 1950s, when Norman Vincent Peale was at Marble Collegiate and was at the height of his career, they used to say, Peale is appalling And Paul is appealing. As if to say, the Apostle Paul's ideas about the embrace of faith in Christ are deeper and even richer than the ideas of Norman Vincent Peale. Now, not everything can be countered with just a positive mental attitude. Let me ask you, what do you find yourself thinking about in your unguarded moments? When you first wake up in the morning, or when you finally get the kids to bed at night, when you're in the car driving or you're waiting in line at the store, where does your mind go? Do you worry about what others think of you? Are you anxious about the future? Are you concerned about getting this virus? There is a growing body of evidence to suggest that we can actually think ourselves into poor health. The link between our thoughts and our physical health is that significant. So what is it that you think about? You see, faith in Christ, according to Romans, first shapes the way we think about ourselves, the way we understand ourselves in the world. God did not make a mistake when he created us. We often might be anxious about whether we're attractive enough or talented enough or successful enough. We might be anxious about our community or our city or our country. I mean, the unrest in our cities, the pandemic, the approaching presidential election, that's enough to cause turmoil in anyone's ability to think but we are what God has created us to be. As someone once said, what we are is God's gift to us. What we become is our gift to God. The world may be interested in how much you can accumulate in life, but faith is interested in how much you can contribute in life. You may be surprised at how much influence you can have. For John Calvin... The Christian life was centered in knowing God and knowing ourselves. We'll never really know ourselves apart from the knowledge of God. The two are inseparable. Faith shapes how we think about ourselves. My own introduction to all of this really occurred when I was about 17 years old. I was raised in the Presbyterian church. We attended church occasionally. Somewhat regularly, I completed confirmation, but whatever answers I was looking for in life at that time were not to be found in religion, or so I concluded. Confirmation was graduation from church for me, as it seems to be for so many young people. I was trying to figure out who I was, what I liked doing, who my friends were, whether I was loved by someone other than those in my family. My favorite class in school was recess. Being the second child in a family of five children, I absorbed an unfair share of the family's emotional energy in my teen years. One adult in my world in high school was my young life leader. Darby was old enough to be my father, but he had this amazing ability to relate to young people without judgment. At one point later in life, a close friend said to Darby, You're the kindest, you're the most generous, the most loving man I know. And he responded, I don't know whether that's true or not. But if it is, it's because of the impact of Jesus Christ on my life. I was a self-centered, self-interested, callous, uncaring college student. And when I came to faith, I really didn't care about other people. Over the years, as I gave more and more of myself to Christ, He transformed me from within. And when I decided to present myself as a living sacrifice to God, I simply said, Lord, I'm making a mess of my life. If you can do something with it, if you can do something with me, become Lord of my life. I give myself to you. My life is now yours. Suggest, direct, control my life as a child of yours. That's my story. And my story is not everyone's story. And giving your life to Christ doesn't mean you end up going into the ministry. However, you may find yourself living more for others and with others. You may find that that surge of new life and energy that fills your sails and lifts you from the doldrums moves you to caring. Somehow I knew then that I could not simply pick up my old life. As Paul puts it, if anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation. Everything old has passed away. Everything has become new. So I felt this surge of energy and new life, and I wanted to know everything I could about it. I wanted to drink as deeply from this well as I could. So I started reading and praying daily. I'd wake up every morning. I'd start the day reading scripture and praying for at least an hour. I memorized passages and I bought commentaries and I attended Bible studies. And I was being transformed in my thinking, reformed in my behaviors and outlook. I had to be schooled in the ways of Christ. It was an intense period of my life. This new wine simply didn't work in the old wineskins anymore. So I left home and spent three years in Montana working and going to school. And I started every day with reading and prayer. And it was transformational. My days were spent working cattle ranches, building haystacks, feeding animals, driving manure spreaders. And in the process, I was learning to work and I was learning to think and I was learning to love. I was becoming strong in the weak places myself. I was becoming more fully alive and I was reaching my potential by putting my life back into the hands of the very one who created me. Faith in Christ shapes us It shapes the way we think about others. So Paul writes, let love be genuine. When we finally let ourselves go and we let Jesus Christ take over, we find we're no longer competing with others. Instead of trying to look like everyone else or look better than everyone else, we become our own unique child of God. And strangely, we become more free when we submit ourselves to God and God's demands and control. Freed from all of our self-interest and our self-improvement programs, we become more interested and invested in the lives of others. We find ourselves contributing to their lives in ways we never imagined. Neighbors become friends rather than just people who we live next to. Rather than calculating whether relationships are going to improve our social image, we find ourselves befriending people of all kinds, We go well beyond those in our own tribe. Genuine faith shows itself in its effect on our relationships. So what do others say about you? Do they see in you genuine love? Let me ask who you pray for. Or are your prayers mostly for yourself? Here's an idea. Start a prayer list of people who are struggling And find time daily this week to pray for them. They need your prayers, and they would welcome them, and it'll begin to change you. Pray even for those you don't understand. Faith affects our relationships with others. Finally, faith in Christ also shapes the way we think about community. We who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we're members one of another. We have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. That's the Apostle Paul. We've been given something for the sake of the whole. This idea of the rugged individual pulling himself up by the bootstraps, making his way through life with this steely resolve and grim determination. That's the way of the world, not the way of faith. Isolation can be debilitating. <laughs> we're learning that in all sorts of new, new ways. And the value of being part of something larger, a congregation, a community of faith, a town. We're learning how important that is during this pandemic. It's not the past that needs to change. It's the future. We have to learn to think differently about community, authentic connections with others. Belonging is so vital. Belonging to a family and to a family of faith, it provides essential support systems. I mean, think of a field of wheat in the midst of a storm. Each stalk would be destroyed by the wind except for the fact that they all lean on one another, bending and not breaking. We are each one of us made in the image of God. And part of that image is that we are made for relationships, made for living with others. Faith in Christ establishes a new set of benefits and obligations for each and every one of us in the community of faith. God renews our minds from within, changing the way we think about ourselves, about others, and the way we think about our place in the community. No longer can we simply ask, what's in it for me? That's the way the world. What does the Lord want me to do? That's a better question. And the answer in a word is contribute. Contribute to life. Present yourself as a living sacrifice. Make a contribution in your family, in your school, at your place of work, in your neighborhood, and of course here in the church. You have been given some gift by God which you alone can contribute for the sake of all of the rest of us. So make your unique and important contribution. William Wadsworth once described the distinction between the way of the world and the way of faith in his poem, The World is Too Much With Us. My father, who would have turned 100 years old this weekend, but died 26 years ago, used to quote this poem. It begins this way. The world is too much with us late and soon. Getting and spending, we lay waste our powers. Little we see in nature that is ours. We have given our hearts away a sordid boon the sea that bears her bosom to the moon, the winds that will be howling at all hours and are up gathered now like sleeping flowers for this, for everything, we are out of tune. It moves us not. Great God. Perhaps you feel a little out of tune with life. Or perhaps you have laid waste your powers. I don't know whether we act our way into a new way of thinking or we think our way into a new way of acting. But I know this. It may be time for us to think and act differently. It's not the past that needs changing. It's the future. So don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Our hearts, our heads, and our hands are all in the process of being transformed by Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen.